I want to invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me this morning, please, for our text. 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, while you're turning there, let me just say this. For all of those who did not know that I was preaching this morning and your lunch won't be ready when you get home, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. That happened to me last Sunday. A friend saw me wearing a sports coat and assumed that because I was wearing a suit, I was preaching. He said, are you preaching today? I said, no, I'm not. And he got this look of relief on his face. He goes, oh, I thought if, if you were preaching, my roast won't be done when I get home. That's just true. And I think really, Pastor, maybe next time you schedule me to preach, you might want to do it more strategically if you have a work day. Uh, if you want to have more time after the service to get more done, maybe you ought to schedule me when you want more time after the service to do it done. Anyway, Pastor's always giving me a hard time for preaching short, so I'm giving a little bit back. First Peter chapter 1 is going to be our text this morning. And we're, uh, this, is, this actually message follows. I have been, as I've had opportunities over the last year or so, off and on to preach. I've been kind of walking through 1 Peter 1. Some of you may remember that. Most of you probably have not, and that's okay. 1 Peter 1 is a chapter that really challenges the believer and equips the believer to live with hope in hopeless times or in difficult times. 1 Peter is a book that helps the believer to, go to endure through suffering and persecutions. And all of us through in our life, perhaps now or in the days to come, are, suffer or will suffer or are suffering. And so 1 Peter 1 really lays out for us the foundation for hope, how we can live with hope in a hopeless world. And we've seen a number of things that begins with our salvation is secure in the person of Christ. And then it just as the passage continues, the last message that I preached was the previous verses. And it really deals with that Christ. We've not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but through the precious blood of Christ. And just reminding us of our standing in Christ. And I want you to see the, verse, the last verse, 20, verse 21 at the end, he says... He says, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. That's reminding of what, what God did through Jesus Christ. For this reason, he says, so that your faith and hope are in God. Really focusing our, our confidence, our faith, and our hope is in our God. That brings us to the last part of the chapter. And this is our conclusion and it, it may seem a little different to you, but I want you to hang tight as we, as we evaluate this passage, as we see that we can live with hope in a hopeless world. One of the reasons for that and how he ends the chapter is this, is because we have the love of the brethren. Now, I want you to follow with me. Look at our, our text is verse number 22. It's going to read through the end of the chapter. So here's what the word of God says. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So as he begins in verse number 22, he lays out this foundation that at salvation, this is when we were given the capacity to love others. It begins with our faith in Christ. If you look at the beginning of uh, verse 22, it says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. This is referring to their salvation. This refers to when they obeyed the gospel and when they received Christ by faith, their souls were cleansed, purified from their sin, and it's through their obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And the, the, this, the Greek tense here is the perfect participle, which means this event happened at a specific point in time, but the results of what happened at that point in time are continual. They are ongoing. And he says, because there was a time when you believed the gospel, and at that point in time, you were purified. You were cleansed from your sins. Your salvation is the basis of our relationship with God, and it's the foundation of our relationship with other believers, and it is why you and I are to love the brethren. And he says here, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And look with me, please, at the next phrase. He says this. He says, for a sincere brotherly love. Now, we're going to deal in a little bit more in depth in just a second, but I want you to to get this point. Apart from being saved by faith, by grace, you do not have the capacity to love with the love of God. You don't. 1 John chapter 4 uh, tells us this. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. This love that he's referring to, there's two, there's two different Greek words that are actually used in the text. The one word is the idea of brotherly love. The other word is agape love. And what he's saying here is this, is because you know the love of God personally through salvation, now you have the capacity to love. Why? Because Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When we receive Christ by faith, that, that phrase, shed abroad, literally means to be poured into. When you receive Christ, the Spirit of God was poured into you. You who were void of the love of God are now filled with the love of God. And the Spirit of God, who is your guarantor, who is your seal, who never leaves you, you are now filled with the love of God. And that's why you can love God. First John 4, 19. We agape him. Why? Because he first agaped us. Because he first loved us. And when the love of God was poured abroad in our hearts, poured into our hearts in salvation, now... We love God with his love that he loved us with. And when he fills us with his love, now we have the capacity to love others with the love of God. And here is where that love is to be primarily directed. Look what he says. I love this. This is beautiful. Look what he says in the text. Look back at verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. This love is to be a sincere, it's, it's, it's not to be fake, it's not to be hypocritical, it is to be a sincere, pure love. It's a sincere love of the brethren. It's not a, it's not a love that's motivated by what I can get to manipulate for selfish means. It's not fake. By the way, you, realize, you do realize how good we are at this? You do, come on. You got it. You got it. Come on. Because we use the word love so flippantly, right? I mean, I love pizza. I really love ice cream. But I really love my wife. (laughs) 
right? How many times have we been guilty of saying to brothers and sisters, oh, love you. And all it, all it really is is words that are coming off our tongue. He says, he expects us to love one another with a sincere brotherly love. It's not fake. It's not manufactured. It's genuine. It's a genuine love that passes the test that God has for it in its genuineness. And he says, you are to love one another with this sincere brotherly love. 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not love, because God is love. John 13, 35, I love this verse. I've quoted this verse here. I'll do it again. I love this verse, John 13, 35, Jesus saying, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. That you all dress the same. Right? That you all listen to the exact same kind of music. Right? What does it say? That it, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. What is it? That ye what? That you love one another. You know what the single greatest identifying characteristic of a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ is? Here's how it's displayed. That you love each other. That's amazing. He didn't say, by all this shall men know that you are my disciples, that you love me. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Because if we are not loving one another, then we are not loving God. He just said that in 1 John 4. And he says, you're to love one another with a pure heart. And this is to be a, an active love. And then he says this. So he, says, he uses the word, um, uses the Greek word phileo, which is that root word of brotherly love. So he says, for a brotherly love, the next word is agape. He says, here's a command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So now he's talking about a careful and intentional, fervent, agape, sacrificial love that comes from a pure heart, pure in its motivations, not contaminated by sin, not, again, not for any other means, but it's from a pure heart that stands God's sight, his evaluation knows that our heart is genuine and true. And by the way, how do you know if your love is pure? Well, because it matches what God's word says. If you want to see what agape love is in action, do you want to see true agape love? That's what you test whether or not your love is pure by, is by Scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, and we're not going to go through that whole text, but it's a whole wonderful passage that tells us what love is and what love isn't. Love is kind, doesn't envy, it's not, doesn't vaunt itself, it's not easy to provoke, doesn't think evil. Hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. This is that kind of love, and he says you are to agape one another, but he says this, look with me please at that word, he says... Love one another, here's the word I want to focus in on, earnestly. The word earnestly here is the idea of effort. It's actually a word that was used many times in the athletic realm. And it, it means to strain, to go all out, to go to the point of exhaustion. So when I was in college, I was on a, it was called the Champions for Christ Karate Team. We were a demonstration team and we'd go out and we used martial arts as a way of sharing the gospel. So we would go out, we'd go to juvenile delinquent centers, we'd go to um, 
parks, we'd go to churches, we would go to any place that would invite us, we would go out and we would share Christ. And, but in order to do that, we, most of us didn't have a whole lot of training. We had a couple of guys, one who had been a professional fighter, was ranked in several martial arts. And so we trained two nights a week for two hours. We would go and we would train. And, you know, my sensei or my instructor, he, he told us he was doing this to help us to be good martial artists. I actually think he hated us. I really think he wanted to kill us sometimes. I mean, some of the stretches he made us do, my, my favorite, my, the favorite one to hate, these wall stretches, they would, you'd have to sit up against the wall, make an L, your legs straight up against the wall, your rear end up against it, your legs would be straight up, and they'd take your legs and they'd fold them down like this. And then while you're doing that, you're supposed to be doing a sit-up trying to put your hands on the wall. And there's all these eight, you know, 21, 22 guys crying out in pain. And then, then he'd do this at the end of almost every class. They'd make us stand in a horse stance, which is very... After a long time, it's a specific stance that puts a lot of stress on your legs, and they begin to shake and quiver as you're holding it for so long. And he would make us throw hundreds of punches, hundreds of punches, one after another. I mean, to the point where my arms were burning. You want, you wanted just to relieve, just a little bit of a relief, and it was punch after punch after punch. And I mean, we are we are wincing, we're yelling, we're like, and when it's all over, we are just. When it was all over, we were just like. Phew. You know, we're all getting laying over the mat. Didn't even, didn't even have enough energy to go get our water bottle. We were dying. That's how we're supposed to love others. That's how we're supposed to love the brethren. And I think the reason why this makes me cry is because I see what many of you don't see as I travel the country. I can't tell you the shame that it is and how it must grieve the heart of God to see so many people in Bible-believing churches refusing to strain to love one another. Do you know why most people leave churches? Because believers aren't loving one another. And by the way, can I just say this? There are some of you perhaps here you are waiting for everybody to love you, but you're not willing to love anyone else. You want it all, you want it all given. So you sit there and say, no one loves me like I deserve to be loved, so I'm leaving this church. Can I tell you something? You're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Love one another. If you are a member of Community Baptist Church, if you are a believer, you go to another church somewhere you're visiting today, can I tell you this? God's word exhorts us to strain ourselves to exert ourselves in loving each other from a pure heart. By the way, you may not believe this, but you know that some of you are easier to love than others? Some of you are a challenge to love. I know I am. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? I, I, we have to be intentional. We have to be careful to love one another with a pure heart. First Peter chapter 4 tells us, says, above all these things, have fervent charity or love yourselves for charity or love shall cover a multitude of sins. We need to have a fervent love that forgives, that brings unity, that cares. 
I'll set it before, I'll say it again, your local church ought to be the one place on this earth that you can go to and know that when you walk into that church, you will experience the sincere, pure love of God because brothers and sisters in Christ are actively loving you and you are actively loving others. And then he reminds us, I want you to look at our, as our text continues, is the reason we are to love this way is because of our, our shared spiritual life in Christ. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, since or because, verse number 23, since you have been born again, this is new life in Christ. This is your new nature. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if man, any man be in Christ, he is a new You're not who you used to be before you were saved, a selfish, self-centered person whose life was completely void of the love of God. And now as a child of God with new life and the love of God poured into you through the Holy Spirit, you've been born again. But that life didn't come from a natural source. Look at what he says. He says, "Being since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, That refers, look, look at everyone who's here today. All of us were conceived with a perishable or a dying seed. He says, but that's not so spiritually. He says, but here's what gave us life. He said, but of imperishable or eternal, the living and abiding word of God. By the way, the Bible says in Romans 10, Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is impossible for you to be saved apart from the word of God because it is the word of God through which faith comes. And then he says this, he reminds us, your your life, this spiritual life that you have in Christ This spiritual life came from the eternal, living word of God. And this is the word. And by the way, this here, it says, and this word is the good news. It's the Greek word rhema. There's a couple different words for word in the Greek language. The Greek word rhema refers to a a specific statement or specific part of, of God's word. Where logos many times either refers to the whole of scripture or many times it's actually used to reference who, the person of who Christ is, Jesus Christ, the living word. This is the Greek word rhema. It says this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. He is saying what that is through the proclamation specifically of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that we even just celebrated this past week. The good news that God provided for humanity. God provided for sinners eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law. The next verse continues to tell us so that we might receive the adoption of sons brought into his family. And he said, this living word, the message of the good news, this eternal enduring word is the, through the gospel which is given to us and he reminds us The gospel by which we are saved and given eternal life, our hope for this life and our hope for the next is rooted in the word. And it is our relationship with Jesus Christ and the security of our life with him 
that gives me hope for today and hope for tomorrow and hope for eternity. That's what gives you hope. But do you realize that as a believer, you and I have the opportunity to live out our living hope as we live out a life of love? When we love one another, we are evidencing the life of God in us. We are evidencing that we are his, that we've been born again. And as we live a life of love and that and we love one another with a sincere and with a pure love, with a brotherly love, with an agape love, we in turn, as we live out the reality of our eternal life in Christ, do you know what we're doing? We are constant reminders to one another of the eternal life that we have. And it brings us comfort and it brings security. Because you know what our common bond is, what we have in common? It's Christ. If you believe the gospel, it is your faith in Christ and the love of God that is in you and the love of God that is in me that helps us to love one another with a brotherly love, earnestly, faithfully, pure, not hypocritical. And as we see that and we experience that love for one another in a daily basis, you know what it does? It reminds us of where it came from through the, through the gospel which has been preached unto us and helps us to live today with hope. As we conclude our time in God's word this morning, I want to ask just a couple questions before we take some time to reflect and respond to God's word. Number one, perhaps you're here this morning and you came and maybe you've never heard that word gospel, the word good news. And I know I explained it briefly, but let me, let me explain it again. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first and also to the Greek. The, the good news of the gospel is simply stated this, that you and I who are sinners separated from God by our sins that God has provided for you and I to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead, and to all who will believe in him, your sins will be forgiven. And he promises life. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other Name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the good news of the gospel, that you can be reconciled to God. You who are an enemy of God, separated from God by your sins, can be reconciled to God, but only through the personal work of Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. Probably the greater majority of us in this room today would profess, yes, I have believed the gospel. I have eternal life. I have been born again. I want to ask you this morning as we get ready to step into our time of reflection and response. Are you loving the brethren? Do you have a sincere love for the brethren? Do you find it easier to be critical, to condemn, to judge, to look down upon? Or do you seek, not that, not that you're perfect and I don't think any of us would claim to be, do you seek to have an, 
a brotherly love that's sincere. It's not hypocritical. A pure agape love, that selfless, sacrificial love that's been poured into our hearts. Are you seeking to love the brethren earnestly? And I guess that's the last question I want to leave you with is this. How much effort are you putting into intentionally and carefully loving one another? What we're going to do this morning, we're going to take some time to do two things. Number one, reflect, think about truth. Number two, respond to that truth. That's just where we simply respond in our hearts to God from the truth of his word. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior and you have questions, when our service is over, Pastor Joe, myself, Pastor Ben, who led the singing, Pastor Sean, who did the announcements, uh, Pastor Matt, who's back here, or anybody you may know here from church, it would be our privilege to share Christ with you this morning. Please, see us. We would love to take the time to share Christ with you. Child of God, I believe it is incumbent on us from this text that every one of us this morning in this time, ask God to help us to love the brethren with a pure and sincere heart, to do it earnestly, to do it fervently and with passion and intentionally so that we might honor Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed together. Let's take this time to reflect on this truth and then individually let's respond to that truth in humble obedience.